It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 75 of Sports Day Plus. At 6.15, it is the first of a three-segment chat with comedian Christopher Titus ahead of his headlining shows at Cap City Comedy Club tonight through Saturday. And in mere seconds, there are some talks of expanding both the college football playoff and March Madness, ideas that I need to openly mock. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter, at Curtis Wave, and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Well, we're at a point in time with sports, not just professional, but college sports, and maybe even trickling down into the scholastic levels as well, where we are seeing leagues and entities try and expand as much as reasonably possible, and sometimes beyond that. In the name of the almighty dollar, there are secondary reasons. Things like, well, we'll give more teams a chance to win a championship at the end of the year. And it keeps fan bases more excited later on when oftentimes you would give see them give up on a team if they were so many games out from that final postseason position. In some cases, it makes a lot of sense. College football. Going from 2 to 4 and now 4 to 12. I think most people are on board with that. Although I do know of a few people that aren't so crazy about the idea. Yeah, the regular season may matter a little bit less in a sense in terms of those last couple of teams, but it continues to matter more for more teams later in the year. And as long as we're not getting too many three lost teams in that expanded college football playoff, then I think that could be a lot of fun starting in December and into January. But in some cases, it makes a lot less sense. And unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, college football, based on a new idea out about going from 12 to 14, well, it reeks of desperation. And I don't think it would be good for the overall health of the sport. We've seen in the NBA, the play-in games. Have they brought about some excitement? Sure, but it's... More mediocre teams fighting for a final playoff spot. Trying to avoid mediocrity at a time of year where it should be the best of the best. I think that baseball has fallen prey to that, although it's honestly backfired because you have the best team sitting out for too long and they end up getting boat raced when they finally get back to action against a team that has regularly been playing baseball up to that point. Thank you very much. MLB for the Texas Rangers wildcard run this year. But with college football, there is an idea floating around right now that may see the playoff expand from 12 to 14 as early as 2026. And there are a bunch of caveats here. Athletics directors, conference commissioners, university presidents, I believe all of those groups in one form or fashion met in Dallas last week to discuss the future of the college football playoff. With many leaving those meetings, speaking of an impetus to get something done over the next month as an oral agreement is in place for ESPN monopolizing the college football playoff coverage in 2026 and beyond. And the idea out right now about expanding to 14 is a step beyond that 5 plus 7 model, which is what things were changed to 
after the Pac-12 effectively crumbled with every member institution but two leaving that conference this upcoming season. The 14-team model puts even more weight on the SEC and Big Ten, gives them an even loftier standing than what they'll already have with the finances that they're working with based on their respective TV deals. It is a huge advantage over the Big 12, the ACC, those G5 schools, and apparently those schools are willing to take it a step further to remain a part of the cool kids club. The 14-team model is being reported on by a number of different sites, including ESPN.com, would have a certain number of automatic qualifiers for every conference and or level. And as you can imagine, the SEC and Big Ten, they get the most. Three automatic qualifiers for both of those, with the ACC and Big 12 each getting two, G5 having one automatic qualifier, Notre Dame, if they are a top 14 team, they get a spot. And there would be three at-large spots, too. This is the SEC and Big Ten wielding their power and understanding that they don't need these other schools to make this sort of money. It's been pointed out that the SEC has had 40% of the college football playoff teams since the inception of the 14 playoff. Big Ten not far behind. Some revenue sharing breakdowns as well, where money-wise, the SEC and Big Ten are starting out with more revenue year-to-year than all these other schools before those at-large bids are figured out. So you're going to take an advantage and make it an even greater advantage in an effort to still get to compete for a championship at the end of the year in that expanded playoff. By the way, Notre Dame needs to join a conference at this point. That hand needs to be forced. Maybe that's another argument for the SEC and Big Ten breaking off and doing their own thing. Notre Dame just gets to hang out in independent land while everybody else is having to jockey for that other position. And if Notre Dame is 14 and you're guaranteeing all these other spots and Notre Dame is that last supposed team, but they're leapfrogging, let's say a 13 or a 12, I don't know how okay I'm going to be with that. But that's the way that it's set up right now. So the finances are going to be a bit kooky. SEC and Big Ten would earn somewhere between 25 and 30% of college football playoff revenue. ACC and Big 12, 15 to 20%. 6 to 10% for the other leagues and 1% for Notre Dame. Math can get even kookier than that when you want to start talking about some of those other independent schools too. What about governance? There would be a major change with regards to changes being made to the playoff structure, starting with there not needing to be unanimous votes to make a major change. Remember, it was a few years ago that the Alliance railroaded the attempt to expand the college football playoff, I want to say as early as last year maybe, saying, no, 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 the three of us, I know there's eight votes here, but the three of us say no to an expanded playoff. We don't like what's going on right now. And oh, by the way, Big Ten, Make sure to not make a whole lot of noise as you're stealing two of those most valuable schools from the Pac-12. Really screwed things up, and so I think this is a good idea to reconsider how things are governed and how decisions are made. But 14 teams 
giving the big dogs even more of an advantage. Just do what is eventually going to happen. Let them go off and make their own thing. And you guys will have a chance to win a national championship too. Eventually, we'll put relegation in if you want to play at that top level. And if somebody at the top level isn't showing the willingness to play ball, they will get bumped down. And we can have movement like that. There will be a different level of excitement. As much as I bag on soccer, the English Premier League, they get that right. That is a cool aspect of that sport. As for college basketball, there's a case being made right now to turn the NCAA basketball tournament, March Madness, which a few years ago did expand from 64 to 68, to go all the way to 80 teams. 80 teams, which is would essentially, because the difference between 64 and 80 is 16, it would create eight play-in games. A round that nobody wants to acknowledge, despite the fact that the NCAA insists, hey, you win that play-in game, you get a win on that postseason record. Ever seen Aggie fans more excited about basketball than when the NCAA admitted as much? But they want to go to 80 games. It's like going to a restaurant, a good restaurant that for some reason has a kid's menu that is clearly catering to the lowest common denominator. It's a bunch of deep-frozen, deep-fried BS. And they decide to add a hot dog to that menu of chicken fingers, of quesadillas, of cheese pizza. It's like we don't need more mediocrity on top of mediocrity. All right, that is it for the sports portion of today's show. Coming up next is the first of a three-segment chat with the hilarious Christopher Titus out of his headlining shows at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellen. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellen. Coming up, it's my conversation with the hilarious Christopher Titus ahead of his headlining shows at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend, Thursday through Saturday. First, though, I wanted to let you know about a friend of mine. His name is Brian Hummel. His website is HummelRealtor.com. If you're searching for your dream home in Austin or curious about how much your home is worth, you should look no further than Brian Hummel, your trusted Austin realtor with Realty One Group Prosper. Brian is more than just a realtor. He's a full-service expert overseeing your entire transaction from start to finish. He'll lead you through each step of the buying or selling process with questions answered and details explained in plain English. With over two decades in Austin, Brian has witnessed the dynamic growth and evolution of the Central Texas market, making him your invaluable resource for buying, selling, and investing. Plus, as a certified real estate negotiator, Brian brings a strategic and skillful approach to bargaining. Contact Brian today at 512-619-1347. That's 619-1347. Or log on to his website, HummelRealtor.com. That's H-U-M-M-E-L, Realtor.com. Brian Hummel, Realty One, the one you need. Christopher Titus is a longtime stand-up comedian, writer, and actor. You can find all of his material at ChristopherTitus.com. And check out his podcast, Armageddon Update. It comes out weekly. He's actually on tour right now across the country, the Carrying Monsters Tour, and it comes to Cap City Comedy Club this Thursday through Saturday. That's February 29th through March 2nd. For tickets and more info, go to capcitycomedy.com. Christopher, thank you so much for the time. How you doing today? I'm doing all right. What are we talking about today, man? Are we just going to whore my show? 
We're, we're going to talk about, uh, yeah, your stand-up life, which I wasn't completely familiar with, if I'm being honest. I didn't realize how far back it stretched or where it started. We may talk about that Prince mugshot in the background and uh, your affinity for Prince. I, I don't know. We're going to figure it out. You you do the uh, Armageddon update. I have a bit on my radio show called Where Are We At in the Society, where it's just pointing out the most f***ed up things in life and the direction we're all headed as humanity. So uh, we're going to have some Isn't fun it? with it if you're cool with that. Yeah, man, it started as a joke. It started because everybody like they were talking about Obama wearing a tan suit. And I remember so I as a joke, I named it the Armageddon update. And then uh, it started to really start to lean towards Armageddon in the last seven years. I'm like, okay, well, I guess it became real, (laughs) which is not good. Considering everything that's happened in the last seven years, like what is the thing that concerns you the most about humanity, even though we are promoting the uh, the Cap City shows because you are a very funny dude, too? (laughs) <laughs> the arrogantly dumb, the people that are dumb and they're proud of it. And they're like, yeah, I don't care what the facts are. I know what I think. Well, so it, it, there's so much irony in the sentence. Uh, I, I think that's the scariest thing. Education is national security. And I think that no one seems to care about it anymore. Yeah, that's not what I, or this one. My favorite one is um, uh, you give someone lay out the facts. Here's the charts. Here's what happened. Here's the numbers. Yeah, but that ain't what I believe. <laughs> <laughs> what i know yeah but this is what is though this is what is that ain't the sun that ain't the sun man and that's what it feels i think that's the word i think that's where we're at right now so i think as comedians man our job is to keep pointing that out and some of us seem to have just jumped on board and joined those people which is weird uh, it's weird but it's also not totally surprising it's as simple as sometimes is like somebody is at a stoplight they're the first car at a stoplight and they're very clearly staring at their phone and the yeah. light turns oh. green and you give just a little honk just that little honk like hey it's time to go you're kind of screwing yeah. everybody else behind you by being distracted by your cell phone and right. instead of just giving that courtesy wave they decide to give you the finger in return and it's like I'm trying to help this whole process along here <laughs> yes. yet you're doubling down on your stupidity by giving me the finger yes. after the fact you're doing your part as the village yeah, yeah like look, look, I, look I know you're on tinder at the stoplight and by the way let's be very clear uh the, the when you're the on the first car at a at a red light that's a sacred responsibility man you don't you leave like it's the winter nationals you when that light goes green what you drop the hammer you don't get to wait so i i'm always i i in la it's worse too it's uh any big city what are people doing are they trying to finish books at the red light what exactly like I put my phone down and I'm I'm, I'm literally watching the Tony Schumacher is a good friend of mine, the top, world champion, uh, top fuel guy. And I'm ready. I'm going, I'm not going to make people mad. Uh, and uh, yeah. So yeah, we should be able to just all have cop push bumpers on the front of our cars. <laughs> and if you one, two, three, four, you should just be able to push them out of the intersection. That's just me. That's if I was running in charge of stuff. You and I are cut from the same cloth as far as uh, drivers <laughs> are concerned, because you're right. It's like next to jury duty in terms of that civic duty of being at the front of a uh, stoplight. And the most infuriating element to me, Christopher, is people who are turning left and you get that left turn signal or that left arrow, excuse me. We need to be in formation like the Blue Angels as we're making exactly. through that, especially if it's high traffic times. I want to see maybe a quarter to half a car length in front of you, all making that tight turn. We know what our route is, and you're going to help every car make it through that left turn arrow, but sadly too many people put three and four car lengths between the car in front of them. Or how about the guy, This is I hate we're talking about traffic, but the, the guy, okay, so the guy's making a left, quarter mile away there's a car. And I don't know how many times I've screamed in my car, 
because you have a you could have a seven forty seven could have made the left. And you couldn't make the left. So uh, I think we are we are good. I'm glad we've now settled that we're friends forever now, I think. <laughs> That's right. Friends forever uh, based on our uh, traffic proclivities. But then again, we should not of- drive together, though, because I'll just be like, you're going to get out and punch him or I get out and punch him. One of us. <laughs> I've had friends like that in the past where it's like we cannot uh, we, we inspire one another's <laughs> road rage because it starts to turn into a joke after a while. So it's somewhat disarming, but then it can get uh, inflammatory pretty quickly after that, too though um so as far as you performing in austin at cap city this weekend i would ask if you performed in austin but i know you have because i've seen you at cap city comedy club in the past uh austin finds itself as a stand-up mecca all of a sudden for somebody who has spent time here as a stand-up comedian does that surprise you at all no you know austin has always been this amazing um this amazing bastion of of intelligence in texas that is that is one of those places that's uh thoughtful and the the people are good i mean they're smart um and it's it's austin's one of those places that you want to go to as a comic there's some places i look at my calendar i'm like okay i'm gonna have to get kind of ready for this one and then austin you're like oh good i get a break in that new bit oh good i get a work oh they're gonna love this bit um and the new show carrying monsters we're filming it in april April 13th. So it's the best it's ever been. And I, I, over the years, I just keep condensing them to those more jokes. It's, it's the best it's ever been. It's a kid. It's a, it's a monster. It's, it is a monster. The show. What do you love about this specialist compared to all the others? Because you're in double digits at this point with your stand-up specials. Yeah, man, this is my 10 special. Uh, this one as the darkest, uh, one of the jokes in the, in the show is um, tonight, you're going to see stories uh, that for many years I couldn't tell. And then a bunch of people who the stories are about uh, died and now there's stories I should not tell, but I'm not going to court. <laughs> so, so I, I'm I'm letting go some of the some of the, like there's a bit about my grandma Titus who wasn't the best grandma. My grandma Titus was a grandma without hugs, and the didn't bake cookies either. So she <laughs> and so, so so I I she was man she was into, and it's funny because uh, like when you'd hug grandma Titus you'd hug her and she'd go. <laughs> Almost like it burns, it burns. She never said that, but it was implied. And uh, so I, I wrote this bit of Grandma Titus. And I, over the years, I've never asked anybody, all the stories I've told about my family, I've never once asked if I can tell them. And uh, which has made Thanksgiving very weird for many years. Like, like when I show up to Thanksgiving, nobody's like, hey, did you guys have a good year? Yeah, it was great. Go have some pie. Like people are very... Uh, don't want to talk to me. So I, for the first time I asked for permission, I called my aunt Kathy, my grandmother's daughter, who's, who's the most amazing human being. She's, she's the opposite of grandma Titus. And I asked her uh, if I could do this bit and the bit's pretty dark about who grandma Titus was. And she goes, well, do the bit for me on the phone. So I do the bit for it. And there's this really long pause and Kathy just goes, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> it's her mom, dude. <laughs> and so I, and then there's a bit about my sister's suicide. My, my, uh, my my wife my wife who's also a comedian she said what are the ones one or two stories you've never been able to tell and I said I couldn't talk about Kirsten's suicide and she goes well then you have to talk about it so that was a hard bit to write but it ended up being I do it differently I don't make it sappy I you know I and uh, so uh, there's the there's this shows this shows the best I've ever done. Like sometimes you, you know, I think musicians, everybody comes out with an album that they go, wow, I actually stretched on that one. Like I got my, you know, I got my kick above my head on that one. And so that's kind of what this one is. I always find myself drawn to comedians who can go back and forth between serious and funny within the context of a comedy special. I think that makes the funny 
uh, it, it hits a little bit harder when you're able to do that effectively. And you've been able to do that effectively throughout your career. Even though you say this is your darkest special, uh, your comedy always has a bit of a, a one-man show element to it, too. Uh, how do you pull off the funny as well as you do, considering that you do touch on some extremely dark subjects, not just with this special, but going past the, the previous nine? I think uh, it's so funny, man, because there's great comics out there that do that style. Berbiglia does it. I mean, there's some guys yeah. that I really enjoy. And uh, I saw Lily Tomlin do Signs of Intelligent Life years ago. I saw yeah. her on stage, and, and I was like, my manager, she was working on it. She was on paper. I was like 19 or 20. And I, and I, and I thought I was a comic at that point. I'd been doing comedy maybe a year and a half, two years. And I remember watching it, and I was just like, I need to quit comedy right now. I need to stop. I need to be a welder. I need to go to trade school because I suck. And and so after that, um, and then you watch Pryor do the old stuff. So I grew up on these guys that like would take it further. And I think I think the problem with comedy right now is there's a bunch of people that are imitating what they see on TikTok mm. and Instagram. And there's there's no there's right now. I mean, there's no Bill Hicks. I can't I can't find a Bill Hicks. You know, I mean, who's the new Bill Hicks? Someone we were like, holy crap, that dude's pushing it. Like, I love Kyle Kinane, but I mean, who's the new crop that's really trying to really push it? There's just a lot of, you know, I don't know. I guess I grew up in an era where it was Hicks and it was Carlin and it was, you know, and Pryor was still working. And I, I just, your job is supposed to take humanity and just squeeze the juice out of it, man. You just mentioned Bill Hicks. I actually want to ask you a question about him on the other side, but that's going to have to wait until after this commercial break. He is Christopher Titus, very funny stand-up comedian performing at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend, Thursday through Saturday. Tickets at CapCityComedy.com. Coming up, segment two of three with Christopher on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Back with stand-up comedian Christopher Titus. He is headlining at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend, Thursday through Saturday. Tickets and info can be found at capcitycomedy.com. And last segment, Christopher, you were talking about some of the greats to ever take the stage. That includes one of my all-time favorites, Bill Hicks, who is a Houston and Austin guy. And in in learning a little bit about your comedy past, you started in San Francisco, but you moved in the late 80s to L.A. Did you ever cross paths with Hicks? Because he was a comedy store regular around that time. Weirdly enough, in California, the girl ended up being the worst ex-wife ever. Um, uh, (laughs) Um, I was dating her at the time. He showed up this little, it was this breakfast place that had a bar that they opened at night. And he, it was a one nighter in a room that held maybe 60 people. Mm. And I watched him, I watched him do something amazing. He got on stage, he's doing it. He's killing. And then you saw him. Cause I, you, when you're a comic, you see what people are doing. You can see through what that surface level of the bit is. I saw him kind of get mad that the audience was enjoying him. <laughs> he just, he, he just, he started to like hate them and then he just made them hate him and then he stopped and then he went back and made them love him again. And it was like, it, it was like a dude. I don't know, man. It was like an evil Knievel movement of comedy where he was jumping the fountains and then he fell and then he got back on and jumped them again. Like it was amazing what he did. And, but he was, it, it, it was a dark dude, man. He was a dark dude until I think until the end. And he, then he, he, 
it's so funny because people will get Hicks wrong when you when you look through his comedy. He's always on the right side, and I think when when comics are bitching about woke man, everybody's woke. Nah, nah, nah. You're just not on the right side of the issue. You're not on the human side of the issue. Our job, if you look at Carlin, Carlin was brutal, but Carlin. He if you you would call Carlin woke right the stuff he talked about going after religion going after you know he was he going after uh, like the government uh, he didn't agree with it that the and 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 so many comics today it, listen man no one's been canceled I, I I hate when comics go yeah man you're gonna get canceled who's been canceled nobody's been canceled we've got guys that were literally found out to be um, like possible pedophiles and they're still working we're good we're fine. I would say, if anything, that comedy is almost immune to the uh, to to the whole idea of cancel culture and wokeness and things like that. And perhaps it is because some do uh, rail so hard against it. And we did reach a weird place three, four, five years ago, and obviously it was exacerbated by uh, COVID as well, where there right. there were some weird paths that people were taking with regards to an attempt to uh, to cancel somebody else for words. That sometimes yeah. were taken out of context, sometimes taken very much in context, and uh, yeah. wanted to see hell reign supreme on those people in the process. But comedy, in a sense, comedy has benefited from the yeah. backlash to that. I think it's why we're seeing a sort of stand-up be- bubble created right now. I'm just wondering what ultimately pops that, because this is a, an art form that a lot of people have taken to in the last couple of years. Not only is people trying to make it as comedians, but just comedy club crowds. But then again, maybe I have a skewed opinion of it all because I am in Austin, a, a place that now has like three or four really good places to see shows, right. including uh, Cap City in the Domain. I mean, it is one of the most beautiful comedy clubs in the country, and they regularly get right. great crowds there, too. It is, man. You know, our job is listen, man. I know any com- I'm not talking about people complaining. I'm talking about comedians that complain about being canceled. I see. Nobody, nobody's been canceled. Look, the, the, look, the, the people on the far left that are actually caught, like mad at people for words. Like I was so like I was watching Chappelle. I remember watching Chappelle doing the special where he had that trans comic that he helped out, and then I remember watching it going, oh. People that follow Chappelle may be anti-trans and Chappelle's talking about it in such a way that he's giving people access to it, making it. He made I thought it was such a good special and all these far, these crazies. Look, man, there's crazy on, on both sides. But the far left was like, oh, he's horrible. Did you watch it? No, he wasn't. He was saying the guy was like funny and he, and he said he would did the shit. Like, did you watch it? Yeah, those people are nuts. I'm just talking about when comedians complain about it. Comedians comedians don't get a complaint look if i go up on stage and i suck that's on me <laughs> period that's on me man yeah no i the, the the two comedians that i think about that uh i guess were canceled in the moment were shane gillis who just hosted saturday night live so clearly that right. didn't stick and then tony hinchcliffe who's here in austin now and i'd argue is one of the funniest guys in austin uh for a short amount of time he could not find work but he was propped up by the community and now he has one of the most popular comedy co- podcasts in the world. They're selling out arenas. So clearly that one didn't stick either. Good, man. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. Eventually, if you just stay funny, you just stay funny. Just stay funny. It's And and, and also, I think people really don't. It's weird to watch a comedian complain about cancel culture. Do, you're, you're, you do, you write a bit about it. If you're going to write a bit about it, prove it. But our job is to kind of drop a premise and then prove it. And, you know, and, the, and this show is... Uh, 
the next show is called Death Wish. I found out that my family's been here since 16, 1638. Oh, wow. The Titus have been here. And then I found out my mom's side of the family's been here since 1658. So the next show is going to be about the history of America. Because we did nothing. Titus's did no. We don't own a bank. We don't have a city name. We have Titusville. And I think that's because. And then I found out the first guy that was here got kicked out of the Massachusetts settlement because he, he, there was the Quakers, I guess the Quakers and the Puritans had beef. They were like the Crips and the Bloods of the 1600s. And so they, they were kicking the Quakers out. And my relatives like, no, you can live with us. And then the pastor kicked them out of town. And I'm like, that sounds like me. Totally sounds like Titus. <laughs> <laughs> totally sounds like, you guys live with us. Well, screw you guys. We're leaving then. That just totally sounds like me. So I, I, we have a long genetic history of, of accomplishing nothing in the Tituses. So that's what the next show is going to be about. Where does uh, Titus come from? Is that uh, German heritage, considering the uh, uh, grandmother's England. lovelessness? We, 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 they came over from England, man, which England, is great. Okay. Yeah, Because you think I'd be a lot softer, but I'm not. I'm not. All right. <laughs> I'm not, don't tell me I'm from England. Uh, are are but you typically the, working two specials ahead? Because that's impressive that you haven't even put the, uh, the one that you're currently on tour with on tape just yet. And you're already uh, deep in thought on that next one now. Yeah, man. It, it, you know, uh, so remember I, I did a show called Big Shots a while ago and yeah. uh, it was my second TV show and the writer's strike canceled it. And I remember finishing it and I remember thinking at any moment, there's a bunch of people that are attorneys or executives that can just decide to end my career. But stand up, uh, no matter if let's say I just keep writing good stand up. Whether I'm playing uh, the amazing, like an A-club like Cap City, or I'm playing a bar on the corner, I can still make enough money to eat and pay my rent, and I'm in charge of that. And I think any good comic needs to stay a comic. So that's what I'm doing. So yes, I'm already working on the next one. Yes. It's allowing you to keep those notes as well. Now, every comic talks about, not every comic, but I've heard a lot of comics talk about early on as you're grinding and you're trying to find your voice and trying to figure out how to be funny consistently that it's a discouraging process. It takes a lot of grit, a lot of metal to stick with that early on. And oftentimes comedians get some really kind words or praise or uh, some motivation from a fellow comedian who has made it more in a sense. Do you have an example like that from your stand-up life or uh, somebody who was more established than you really uh, gave you a pat on the back and said, hey, you're doing some really good stuff out there. Keep up with it. Yeah, I have a couple stories. My, well, my son on his own has just started to do stand up. He's wow. nineteen, and 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 I am not complimentary. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm bad, but I'm telling him where he's making it. So years ago, when I started, I asked Dana Carvey. This was before Dana had got Saturday Night Live. He'd already done a, a TV show in LA, and I said, "Can you tell me?" I got off stage. I was opening for him. I got, I was like 19 or 20 and I, 21 maybe. And I said, uh, would you watch my act? And Dana says, Dana, very, Dana's very, very, he's one of my favorites. He's in the pantheon of Robin and Carlin. And he goes, do you want me to tell you you're funny or do you want me to tell you the truth? And, uh, and I was like, well, I was raised by Ken Titus, dude. You can tell me anything. I'm fine. There's no way you can insult me worse than my dad. So I get off stage that day and he, he goes, all right, you want to hear the truth? And I go, he goes, he goes, you're funny. And I go, good. He goes, and you write well. He goes, but you are not talking to the audience. And I said, yes, I am. He goes, no, you're not. You're talking to the back wall. He goes, you're afraid to stare at the audience. You're afraid to look at him. He told me probably one of the, like whenever a comic's on stage and if you're comics, you listen, whenever you're on stage and you get, sometimes you feel disconnected, you can't connect to the audience. 
Dana said this to me. He goes, I want you to do the setup to one person and then the punchline to the room and then pick another person, set up and then punchline to the room. And he said, by the end of your show, you should have delivered a setup to everybody in that thing one on one. He goes, the person you're talking to, uh, you've sucked them into your show and the three people around them think you're looking at them. He goes, and at the, it creates this weird, no matter how big the room is, it creates this weird intimacy. Um, and there was other guys that I, I like the guys like Slayton and stuff. They would just take me aside and, and instantly I was already getting laughs. They would just tell me what was wrong. Huh. Here's how bad you suck. And here's where you suck. And I, I like those guys. I, I never wanted praise was never something that uh, that I don't think praise helps a comedian. You have to build that callus. And my son's building it. He's going to open mics in L.A. And he's like, he just calls me, man, I bombed tonight. And I'm like, all right, show me the video. And then he watches the videos. Like, oh, I didn't bomb as bad as I thought. That's right. That was a six on the bomb scale instead of a 10. Good. So he's learning. He's learning. So is he, I, I don't know why he's doing it, honestly. Is is he actively seeking out your advice then? Is he sending you tape and saying, hey, well, how, how can I get better here? Or you, and how hard is it for you if he's not doing that to not offer up that unsolicited advice? Because I'm the father of a nine and seven year old right now. That's one of my biggest <laughs> challenges is letting them fail versus saying, hey, you need to do it this way. They've got to figure it out on their own for, uh, for it to truly stick. You, you have to, and you can't, you can't prop him up. You know, his mother propped him up with soccer and then he ended up hating soccer. She was a coach on the team and my ex-wife and she just, and so, so here's what I do. I'm dead honest with him. And he, and to his credit, uh, he got off stage. He, for, the mistake was his first show, he killed his first show for him, mm. for a, for a brand new comedian. He did great. And I'd helped him I'd like structure it. And then I said, I'm not helping you anymore. I'm not helping you anymore. You have to, I can write your jokes, but that's not you. So he started going like he's going to these like nooners. He's doing he's he's doing stuff that I'm like, you're nuts. I, you're doing stuff I wouldn't do. Uh, and he said, but I got to get better. And he thanked me for being hard on him, which is so that's my dad. I just said, I said, dude, man, if you keep doing that, you're not going to be a comedian. And, uh, you know, and to his credit, he 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 took it. He took it. And he's like he called me and he said, thanks, dad, for telling me the truth. Um, so I ripped a hole in his soul, but he seems okay with it. That's a Titus. <laughs> the Titus way. Do you have any other kids, Christopher? I do. Another one. My other one picked music. So both of my children will be living with me in the next few years. There may be some truth to that. He is stand-up comedian Christopher Titus, headlining at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. Shows Thursday through Saturday. Go to capcitycomedy.com to snag tickets. Coming up, one more segment with Christopher on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Back for one final segment with comedian, actor, and writer Christopher Titus. He's going to be at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. Shows Thursday through Saturday. Tickets at CapCityComedy.com. First of all, I wanted to let you know about my friends at Pest Wranglers. They have been taking care of pest problems in and around Central Texas going all the way back to 2006. Since then, they've operated on a motto, effective, reliable, affordable. A secondary motto would be... They provide exceptional customer service. My guy Steve, who's founded Pest Wranglers back in 2006, is a big believer in people. He values relationships. Make sure to treat his employees great. In turn, they treat you, the customer, exceptionally. It's why they have such great ratings and reviews on Google, Yelp, and elsewhere. And right now, because it is starting to heat up, mosquito season is right around the corner. So now is a great time to get out in front of that with the help of pest wranglers. They offer 
offer eco-friendly treatments that don't target bees or butterflies and are non-toxic to birds and mammals. That includes your dog sniffing around the backyard. This treatment is effective for up to a month. It kills mosquitoes that transmit all sorts of diseases, everything from dengue to yellow fever, Zika, and West Nile virus. It works against insecticide-resistant mosquitoes, too. Kills adults and prohibits larvae from maturing. It's filled, field validated with a ton of scientific research backing it up. Stuff is actually used in Africa for malaria control. That's how good it is. And if you are looking for something a little bit faster acting, they offer that conventional mistreatment for a fast knockdown as well. It's good one-time treatment for backyard parties, pool parties, things like that. And it's effective for up to 21 days. There are no horrible odors from either treatment. And they're both wallet-friendly as well, usually under 100 bucks per month. And because they are so confident in that customer service, you don't have to sign a contract. If you're unhappy with any aspect of the service, you can cancel right then and there. No contracts. To find out more info and to get yourself on the schedule, go to pestwranglers.com. Back now with one final segment with stand-up comedian Christopher Titus. He is going to be at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. Let me tell you, he is one of the brightest comedians in the business and has been that way for a long time now. Why don't you check out some of his work if you want to. Go to ChristopherTitus.com for that. You can also get to his podcast from there. It's called Armageddon Update. It comes out weekly. And yes, it's Carrying Monsters Tour coming to Cap City Comedy Club tomorrow through Saturday. Cap City Comedy Dot com for those tickets. All right, Christopher, so we just talked about your kids who are young adults now, so this doesn't apply quite as much. I'm curious, though, for you as somebody who thinks long and hard about things, what do you think the biggest challenge is for parents in 2024? Uh, well, when, when they're, when they're adults, they don't listen to you at all. Even no matter, I've got 40 years of wisdom in show business. And my daughter's like, I got it, dad, shut up. And my son, my son's listening. Um, the hardest thing about parenting, I know you got nine and seven. What do you think? I think that technology is a challenge. I think that the unsolicited advice thing is a challenge. I think that the food options that kids are given is a big challenge as well. It's, you know, when you're surrounded by junk in every possible physical form, you as a parent yep. who knows what's right and knows what they need to be doing and consuming and not staring at for hours on end, it becomes much right. more difficult when all their friends are doing so. So I think that there are all these things, and this isn't just unique to this time, mind you. It's uh, been throughout human history but I think it's just trying to fight some of those things and being seen as the parent at times and trying to do what's right. You just, you just hope when it's all said and done that they have an appreciation for that, that when they're able to be present, you know, years from now as young, as teenagers, as young adults, as uh, fully formed adults, that they can think back and say, gosh, my dad didn't just let me play video games for four hours at a time. We actually didn't have phones at the dinner table and we had to have conversations and we weren't allowed to stare at a screen when we were in the car. We were, we were forced to look at the world around us and now it's actually benefiting us, you know? Why does it feel like you're kind of uh, setting up for an alibi for a, 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 a child protective services case? <laughs> well, because so I did, look, so I, I told them they could do. 
Uh, <laughs> here's what I think. I think that we didn't have a problem of going, oh my God, I've lost, I've lost four friends. I lost four friends. Like, like they're imaginary people. G you know, <laughs> Jesus had friends. They followed him. They were with him all the time. You got people that, that, that liked something. Uh, I, I think we are in a place now where you have to let them fail. And sometimes, Ah, like my daughter's in the middle of something right now, man, she's 22 and she's dating a 42 year old dude. And I've done some research and he, yeah, dude. And he's not, a, in, in my opinion, not a good dude. And I, t I took her to dinner and I told her that. And then she's like, I'm out. And so I'm like, and I, and you know, when you're dude, when you've been through relationships, you've been through nightmares. I just went, okay, God bless. Hope that works out. I'll be here when you're done though. You know, my dad was the opposite. My dad just cut me out. Don't show up till you're, you know, I'll see you in five years. I'm like, I'm here when you need me. But up until then, um, she's going to, it's going to hurt, man. It's going to hurt. It's like watching someone on train tracks and you're going, there's a train behind you. And they're like, I don't hear it. Okay. God bless. Hope it works out. So I think you, I think you're smart to let them do it. Let them mess up. Cause it, it, the, uh, you, no one has learned anything by being told. No, you know, you have to, you have to burn yourself. You, you got to put the penny in the light socket. As my dad said, my dad told me one time, he said, Hey, I'm not your friend. I'm your father. I care more about you than any friend ever will. Uh, and then he let me ride my bike uh, with no helmet. So <laughs> over a piece of piece of plywood and a, and a couple of two by fours to jump it. So, yeah, I was driving when I was nine. My dad was like, dude, it's a stick shift. Go drive it. Yep. I was driving at nine drifting. I was drifting dune buggies, full size cars at nine years old. Oh, my gosh. So you were actually yeah. in the driver's seat with uh with your mom or dad not sitting directly behind you to 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 correct if uh, things went sideways then even worse we went to the, there was this there was this field we used to go to and he had this he had he had bought this Myers Max dune buggy that he built over the weekend with a buddy of his he cut up my 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 third stepmom's car took her Volkswagen body off the frame and on monday she had a dune buggy <laughs> that's my dad so and it's funny because i have projects i've got three hot rod projects going on right now i because of him i, I build stuff on my own so oh no this is the same guy that bought a ski boat from an insurance company that had been cut up into three pieces he fiberglassed it back together then put motor and upholstery in it put his family in it and we went out in the ocean so yeah did it work not, it worked it worked it stayed together forever but that he just it was in pieces and he fiberglassed it all back together and it was a cool boat but i never as i got older i was like that thing wasn't really structurally sound anymore and <laughs> and we went so that's my dad and he he uh so the doom buggy so he would go to this field he'd, he'd pick me up after work from school whatever he'd have a beer he'd get out of the doom buggy we're in this muddy field with these guys riding motorcycles and i'm nine he'd go just go drive it he said the time he stopped letting me do it on my own because there was a bunch of berms and he looked up, he's drinking beer with a buddy, just watching me drive around this muddy field. And the dune buggy came, was about eight feet in the air and came down like this, just basically straight down and landed on its wheels. And he said, after that, he, he kind of, he kind of pulled me back a little bit. So I was raised with, I was just thrown into stuff all the time, man. You know, I mean, my dad had six ex-wives, you know, as I said before, he's got a marriage license gold card. So I was just yeah. used to 
things changing all the time, man. You know, just, uh, one of my favorite bits that I did was like, like my dad, had, he'd have these women over and I'd be up in the morning eating breakfast and they'd get up and sit across the table from me and be like, hi, I just want, you know, me and your dad. I'd be like, hey, 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 there's no you and my dad. Like, here's your car keys. Here's your complimentary T-shirt. Have a good day. Thank you. <laughs> I was like my dad's. I was like a vagina concierge for my father at times. <laughs> Oh, man, what a great bit there. All right, last thing now, Christopher, because smart people tend to ask themselves a lot of questions, and typically there's that one overriding question. For you as somebody who is as bright as you are, is there one question that you find yourself uh, asking more than the others right now? Oh, man, that's an interesting, that's an interesting question. Uh, I think anybody who's creative always always wonders, uh, am I still good? And I think that's the beginning of this next show. This is the the one. Carrie Monster is the best thing I've ever done. It's it balls out funny. It goes to dark places that actually that still is funny. And then this next one I'm calling Death Wish because America seems to have a death wish. Every 50 years, we seem to try to end this country. Um, and the Tituses were part of that. That's going to be the whole thread to the thing. And, I, and I'm like, and it's such a big idea that I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull it off. I think anybody creative goes, man, hey, do it? Do I suck now? I think that's what everybody who's smart and creative does. And if you're not doing that, you're not getting better. You just heard the man, people. Carrying Monsters is the best thing that he's ever done, and he's bringing it to Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. Uh, doing shows on Thursday, great. Friday, and Saturday night. That's February 29th through March 2nd. You can go to capcitycomedy.com for info and to snag those tickets that remain. Christopher, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for the time today, man. People need to go to your website, christophertitus.com. Check out that podcast, Armageddon Update, as well. Yeah, thanks, man. It's great talking to you, man. Always good having an uh, intelligent conversation. I could have walked a walk with material if you want, but I love this better. Thanks, man. Yeah, and uh, we're clear. I, I, likewise, Christopher, this was uh, this was really engaging in all the ways that I hoped it would be. So I'm a longtime admirer of your work going back to uh, uh, the original show on Fox back in the early 2000s, man. So this is a real honor. Much appreciated. In the middle of writing a script, 20 television said they're interested. They want to see a script, uh, possibly rebooting it in, in the current form. So say a little prayer, man. <laughs> prayer said I will be a big promoter on this end. I would love to uh, talk to you again, regardless of whether that comes to fruition or not, man. Thanks, man. Thanks. And thanks for the help, man. I, I want you to know something. I never, so many comments complain about doing media. And I, I'm like, well, you guys are stupid, man. You're doing me a favor. Thank you so much. That is it for another edition of Sports Day Plus. Quick programming note before I say goodbye for the night. Join me tomorrow, talk a little bit of sports, and also have a couple of segments with Mark Norman, very funny stand-up comedian who is headlining at the Paramount Theater Friday and Saturday. There are tickets to the Friday show still available. Go to austintheater.org to snag those now. Thank you so much for listening to today's edition of Sports Day Plus. Have yourselves a great rest of the evening. I'll be back tomorrow at 6. In the meantime, hook them. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling.